Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. Hello everyone, and welcome to the 150k subscriber special. As per the tradition, I'm going to start this video by going through a lot of updates to cases that I've covered in the past. Now, I've actually got quite a bit to talk about this time. I've got updates for all these cases. We have Mark Latunsky, the grinder people eater. We have Zachary Latham, everyone's favorite guy. We have Cole Carini, the incel who blew his hands off. Uh, the Armando Baron case, including his wife Brittany Baron, of course. There's the Narumi Kurosaki case, which was a pretty big one that ended just recently. Uh, we even have updates for the shopping cart killer, which was still pretty fresh at the time I first covered it. We even have updates for Kyle Massey of Cory in the House fame, Drake Bell from Drake and Josh, of course, and even that one incel named Scott Beerley, or Scott Carnifex, whatever you want to call him. So let's start off by getting into those updates. Alright, starting these updates off proper, let's get into the first video I ever made, the story of Mark Latunsky. Latunsky lured men that he had met on Grinder back to his home and assaulted them in the past. This all culminated when he brought a man named Kevin Bacon back to his home, ended his life, and, uh, chomped down on his nards. Well, Mark's been in jail since then, and the court cases have been ongoing. According to new court documents, Kevin had actually known very well that Mark had violent fantasies. In fact, it was said aloud in court. Batonsky stated that Kevin Bacon had explained to him that he had been suicidal in the past. Um, the discussion began um, about how Batonsky could make Mr. Bacon's body disappear. Batonsky suggested uh, use the knife to stab um, in the back of the spine below the skull. Um, Latunsky stated once that idea was suggested that Mr. Bacon said, okay, do it. The agreement between Mr. Bacon and Mr. Latunsky was that um, he was going to end Mr. Bacon's life. Um, as a result of ending the life, then he was going to utilize uh, Kevin Bacon's body for different. It got to the point where Kevin had discussed that he had considered ending it all in the past. The discussion moved on to a conversation about body disposal and the best way to get rid of one. Eventually, they decided that a stab to the back of the head would be efficient, but it didn't end up being so simple. Kevin told him, okay, do it. But when Mark was about to make the plunge, Kevin made a noise, which startled him. For some reason, due to the scare, Mark cut him on the throat instead. Now, Mark is all settled to face a Shiawassee County jury in now, Mark is all settled to face a Shiawassee County jury in October. He'll be facing charges of both murder and mutilation. If he's convicted, he's looking at life in prison. However, he'll have one last chance to accept or reject a plea agreement offered by the prosecutors, but the prosecutors say that there is no offer on the table as of now. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Being my first video and all, it's a case that I'm really interested to see end, and once it does end, I've kind of thought about remaking the whole video and fleshing it out with more details I've found since then and, you know, giving it a proper ending. So, let me know if you'd like to see that. 
So, oh god, we've got everybody's favorite little guy, Zachary Latham, the original OG that brought my channel into light in the first place. It was my first video had ever really crossed 10k, so it was a pretty big moment for me. But why did Zach's case perform so well? Well, it's mainly because he is a colossal douchebag. To bring you back up to speed, Zach was a neighborhood bully who spent a good chunk of time picking on his neighbors and filming it for TikTok. He would do things that would piss off anyone in their right mind and then record their reactions, where he would try to play the straight man, calling them Karens and acting as if they're completely crazy for getting angry at his shenanigans, which included trying to run over children. This ended up in a giant fight between Zach, his wife, his friends, and the neighborhood family that he had bullied the most. This fight unfortunately ended in the death of the father of that family. Zach claimed self-defense, ran away to Florida, got into a road rage situation and pulled a fake gun, and got into trouble again. He was arrested and released on bond with several conditions. He violated most of these conditions. He has continued to post about the case online, he has been arrested on a weapons charge, and has been arrested for another violent crime. So he was extradited back to New Jersey. In the last update video, we talked about how Zach was taken back to Cumberland County Jail in New Jersey in May and got dumb dreadlocks. We left off with him sitting in jail, waiting for a hearing. So, how about since then? Well, he was released from jail back in May, unfortunately but he's still set to face charges later in 2022. If you remember, the neighbor family was also charged with various crimes as well, like assault and trespassing. Well, the prosecutor has confirmed that these charges are not going to be dropped, despite the public outrage. Zachary Latham is still charged with manslaughter, assault, and firearms charges for the fake gun and the road rage incident. But here's the biggest bit of new info. According to the New York Post, Zach has finally spoke out about the murder, and he admitted he murdered the man for TikTok fame and to get more public recognition. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll see where the guy ends up later this year, I guess. So we've got Cole Carini. This was a weird one. You'll probably remember him more as the incel who blew his hands off. That sums up the case pretty well on its own, but here's the rundown. Cole was dead set on blowing up what he called a bunch of hot cheerleaders. He started trying to make bombs in his home, and, well, he failed. He blew his hands off. He first ended up in the hospital, and then in police custody. When we last left Cole, he was still in custody and facing 10 years in prison and a $200,000 fine. Well, now we know where he ended up. Cole has pled guilty to possessing and manufacturing an unregistered explosive device and was finally sentenced in court to a solid 84 months in federal prison, which is seven years. I don't know why they counted in months when it's a solid seven years. In the end, he got off with less than the maximum of 10 years. Maybe because he didn't really succeed in hurting anyone and really losing both of your hands is a pretty big punishment already. I don't know, maybe that factored into it. Alright, now we have the case of Armando and Barry Brit- Alright, now we have the case of Armando and Brittany Barron. This was also a pretty big video, mainly because the entire premise is insane. To make a very long story short, Brittany was cheating on her husband Armando. He found out and tricked the affair partner into an ambush where he killed him. 
He then told Brittany, basically, off with his head and I'll forgive you. Eventually, they were both caught and we left off with both of them sitting in jail, awaiting updates. Well, now we have those updates. Both have seen their day in court and both have since been sentenced. Brittany was on trial first, as expected. Only Brittany knows why she did those things, said the prosecutor, saying that she played the victim in order to avoid prosecution and saying that she fired the fatal shot. It was argued that there were several opportunities where she could have simply driven away, called someone for help, defended herself, or just left the campsite she was hiding at, but she didn't. Throughout hours and hours of testimony, her story didn't really change. She denied that she fired the fatal shot, and she apologized to the victim's family. In the end, Brittany pled guilty to three charges of falsifying evidence that she was accused of. She was sentenced to three and a half to seven years in prison, but she was only in prison for a few months before she was released on parole. And then Armando's trial took place. This one was pretty cut and dry. The man had 13 charges against him, including first-degree murder, criminal solicitation of murder, criminal solicitation of assault, and even kidnapping. He was given a life sentence for his crimes, with no possibility of parole, and an additional 45 to 135 years beyond that. He will never be getting out. Brittany, however, is completely free. For now. Now here's another big one, the case of Narumi Kurosaki. I think I was actually one of the first channels to cover this case in depth. My video was actually linked to by a news website as a summary of the entire case, and the thumbnail for the video actually shows up when Google searching the case, which is weird for me. So let's get a quick recap on what happened in this case. Narumi was a Japanese student studying abroad in France. While she was still living in Japan, she had been dating a Chilean man named Nicolas Cepeda. They broke up, and she ended up dating a new dude after she arrived in France. But her and Nicolas stayed friends, and he even flew out to meet her in France. This was when she disappeared, never to be found. Naturally, Nicolas was the prime suspect. After a long legal battle, he was finally extradited to France to face the charges. This is where we left off, with him awaiting these charges. Well, just recently, a French court finally sentenced Nicholas. He was to be sent to prison for 28 years after murdering Narumi. This was a massive case, an investigation that took place over multiple countries and three continents, and it was finally over. People were less than enthused about the relatively low sentence for murder. Many hoped that he would see life, and it looked possible for a while, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Nicholas went on to boldly deny that he ever murdered her. I would like to say clearly that I did not kill Narumi. I deny these accusations with all my strength, he said through an interpreter. Naturally, denying the murder, he also refuses to give the location of her body as well. Her remains have still never been found. Now for this next update, we have the shopping cart killer, which was a fresh, ongoing serial killer case at the time that I covered it. And yeah, it's still ongoing, but there's a little more. We left off right when his fifth victim was found in Washington, D.C., or at least, you know, he's the most likely suspect in that murder. Well, Robinson is still being held at the Rockingham Harrisonburg Regional Jail in Virginia. He had been charged of two counts of first-degree murder so far after formally being linked to two of the victims. He's now also facing two felony charges of concealing, transporting, or altering a body. And he is officially the prime suspect in the fifth case that was relatively new when the last video came out. He is still the main person of interest in all of the other murders as well. 
We'll just have to see if more charges pop up later on. And now we have Kyle Massey, the actor who played Corey in both That's So Raven and Corey in the House. What's going on with him? When we last heard about Kyle Massey, he was in a lot of hot water and he was all over the news. The story was that he had been friends with the family for years, which consisted of a mother and her daughter. He was accused of taking a particular interest in the minor daughter and sending her some unsolicited pictures. Kyle vehemently denied all of these allegations. After years of these allegations, they were dismissed by the courts. Massey seemed to be all good, but it didn't end there. The girl and her family decided to sue him in a civil court one year later. That also went nowhere. Kyle was then later suddenly charged with one count of communication with a minor for immoral purposes. He continued to deny the allegations. In June of 2021, he failed to show up for a court hearing. That hearing was then postponed and pushed back to July. Then again, on July 13th of 2021, he again failed to show up for the postponed court hearing. A judge then issued a warrant for his arrest. And that's where we left off. Kyle's social media went dead and it seemed he was in hiding. So, what came of it all after I posted that video? Nothing. The media just kind of stopped talking about it. He started posting on social media again, normal as ever, and seems all was good. What the hell happened? Well, here's the interesting part. Kyle's mom came out on a podcast on a channel called Hip Hop Uncensored just two weeks ago and shed a lot of light on this case. She said that the whole thing was all a case of extortion. So, let's go back to the beginning, the beginning of what she calls the real story. To summarize the whole podcast very briefly, Kyle was dating the mother of the girl he was accused of sending pictures to. She was seven years older than him and even started dating him when he was 16. He often paid for her hotels when she came to visit him out in California. But to her dismay, he eventually got a serious girlfriend and naturally said that he wouldn't pay for her hotel trips out to California anymore. She got mad. And then, not much later, she sent a letter threatening to accuse Kyle of all sorts of things if he didn't pay up. He didn't pay up, so she went ahead and accused him. But, according to his mother, he was never arrested. That's pretty believable because if he was, he couldn't have been held for long. This is evident by his social media going active again pretty shortly after all of this. This is where the original story in the media went down where he was accused of sending pictures to the girl. According to his mother, he had actually sent them to the mom sometime prior when they still had a fling going. She had saved them and later used them against him. Kyle has still to this day never admitted any fault in this and never accepted any blame. The judge has dismissed the case. To this day, he's free and nothing has happened. What we saw in the media was an arrest warrant that was prepared for him in Seattle, but he was never served. The trial proceeded despite him never being served. That's why he didn't show up. But even then, nothing came of that either. His mother blames the whole thing on police corruption, but who knows. Corey's brother also backed... Corey. Kyle's brother also backed him up on social media, too. Since that woman tried to ruin Kyle's life, his mother doxxed her and aired her dirty laundry as well. Turns out she's bankrupt, has been sued a few times, and often bragged to other people about banging Kyle, even when he was working on Corey in the house, and still very much a minor. Now, many people are doubting her story entirely. Granted, this is all coming from his closest family. It could very well all be biased, and it likely is to some sort of degree, even if it's a minor degree. 
Either way though, let me know what you think about this one now. It's a pretty interesting development. I'll link to the full podcast down in the description. It's about 30 minutes long, but it's really interesting to hear his mother's side of the story. So, yeah, give it a hold. Give it a give it a listen. Then, speaking about Kyle Massey, that naturally brings us back to the whole thing with Drake Bell as well. Drake was accused of similar things, you know, things involving talking to someone under a certain age that he shouldn't have really been talking to. But since then, Drake has posted about his whole experience online, really, with a pretty lengthy uh, description of what went down on Instagram. He started off by saying that most of the information flying around about this case is entirely wrong. I know that this has moved very quickly for you, but for me, it's been a three-year thorough investigation into every false claim that has been made. And it's not me telling you that these claims are false, but the state of Ohio has proven the claims to be false. If these claims were remotely true, my situation would be very different. I would not be here at home with my wife and with my son. But that being said, I am not perfect and I make mistakes. He admitted his behavior was reckless and irresponsible. He said that he simply got into communication with a fan without knowing her age. But once he did know how old she was, he stopped the communication. This individual continued to come to shows and pay for meet and greets, all while I was unaware that this was the same person I was communicating with online, and that's why I pled guilty, he said. It was reckless and irresponsible text messages. I want to make clear that there were no sexy images, nothing physical between me and this individual. I was not charged with anything physical. I was not charged with the disseminating of photographs or images or anything like that. This is strictly over text messages. A lot of people felt that he was totally guilty because of the plea he made in court. In relation to that, he said, When I was presented with a plea deal because of the messages, I felt that it was the best way to get this over with quickly and for everyone involved to be able to move on and for me to get back to doing what I love. So after all these new developments, how do you really feel about the issues with Drake and Kyle Massey? I mean, do you think it was just a media circus? Extortion? Both? Uh, Let me know what you think. So last up on these updates, we have the case of Scott Beerley, or Scott Carnifex, whatever you want to call him. This case is, yeah, it's pretty much said and done. I mean, the incident is over and the man himself is dead. So, what do we got? To give you a bit of a refresher, Scott was a guy who, after being discharged from the military, fired from several teaching jobs, and failing to attract many women, got really into the incel movement online. He started posting long-winded rants to YouTube about his views, and after months and months of planning, he carried out an attack on a yoga studio that left two people dead and many others injured. In the original video, I had stated that Scott had produced an album, but it had been lost. All that was around was a collection of quotes from the songs along with a few of their titles. Well, thanks to a few viewers of this channel, the entire album has been found. And boy, it sucks. But it's just as awful and offensive as we thought it would be. Just look at these titles. Damn. Let's listen to some snippets of a few of the songs that I actually had names for in the original video. Here's American Wigger. I'm an American Wigger. I'm a little pussy. I wish I was... Stopping that one a little short, here is Locked in My Basement. So I slipped Eurohypno when the opportunity shone. 
And here's Bring Your Fatwa, which is a song that surprised me because it's really gay. And I don't mean gay as in like a middle school-esque insult. I mean, it is brazenly homosexual, which is really odd, interesting, I guess. Uh, let's give it a quick listen. Really, the album is massive. I mean, it's two hours of content, in fact. I mean, it really kind of warrants an entire video. I mean, really, the album is massive. Two hours of content, in fact. I've thought about dedicating an entire video just to analyzing these songs, but I don't really know if anyone would even watch it. So let me know if you'd be interested in that. So that ends the case updates section of this video. Now it's time for the 150k celebration and Q&A. If you don't, if you aren't really interested in that, if you want to duck out now, that's, that's fine. I understand. But for those who are interested, let's get on with it. If you want to duck out now, you aren't really interested in that, I completely understand. But before you go, uh, like the video, subscribe if you want, all that good stuff, and have a good day. I had wanted to do a 100k special, but a lot of things came up, it kind of fell through the cracks and didn't happen. Uh, I was even going to open the silver play button on camera, get reactions, which I filmed, and yeah, I kind of remember that. So let's get on with the questions. So I've got quite a few questions this time, probably like 20 something. And so I've always said on Patreon that uh, patrons get top priority when it comes to the Jesus Christ. When it comes to answering the questions. So uh, I'm going to go with those first. Okay, let's see what the first question was. So, Kevin has a pretty good question here. This one just asked, Do you ever encounter a case you would like to cover, but find that gathering the supporting data is too difficult or unavailable? And the answer to that one is, yeah, all the time. Like, there are so... I can't think of any off the top of my head at the moment, but there are a lot... Especially when it comes to the Asian cases, I think uh, the English-speaking world is, there's just a lot more of it, so there's a lot more information available, but when it comes to cases like Japan, there might have only been one article ever, and that's it. And sometimes you get kind of stuck with that. Abby Blackbird says, will you adopt me? Or, yes, will up adopt me? Sure. Murderlin Monroe says, is there any way for you to share crime scene photos with us here? Sometimes they help bring everything into perspective. Uh, by here, I, I assume that's Patreon. And uh, the answer to that is maybe? I mean, I hear that Patreon is pretty strict in comparison to other uh, funding websites, whatever you call them. So, I don't know. I would have to look into that. Because, yeah, obviously sometimes I find pictures that, yeah, I can't show on YouTube, but I already found them and people want to see him, so 
I don't know, I'll look into that. That's a good question. And then we get to Marsh's questions, which are horrible. And I know he asked because I said that I would answer anything that I got on Patreon. So, first question is, one, how old are you? And the answer to that is five. Or a multiple of five. It's something to do with five. Two is, do you enjoy cuddles? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Three is, would you lick a femboy's thighs? And to that I say, I need more information. Are these the government-sanctioned femboys we're talking about? Because in that case, I think you have to. I'm gonna need some clarification. So now let's get into some uh, regular old YouTube comment questions, from mainly from the community post, but I got some other ones in here too. So the first question is, where are you from and have you covered a crime from your state? Uh, that's a good question. I'm from Missouri in the United States originally, and yeah, I think I've looked into cases in Missouri before just to see if there was anything. I don't know, I just wanted to. And, and yeah, I think I've looked into cases from Missouri before to see if I could cover anything from where I'm from, and there were a couple, but most of them had been kind of done to death, so I've just been kind of waiting for something a little more out there, I guess. If you have a cool Missouri case, let me know. So then the next one is, have any cases you've ever covered made you emotional? And the answer to that is, yeah. I mean, making the Junko Furuta video was really tough. I had to take a lot of breaks during that one. Really, all of the uh, incomplete detail videos took kind of a lot to get through. Then, you know, there's also anything containing a child that's always way harder. I'm trying to think of any specific ones that really hit hard. Hold on, let me look at a list of my videos here. Because uh, I feel like recently there was one that really got me. Oh, the Marcus Faisal case. Yeah, that one was tough. Uh, is fear an emotion? Because the Chris Sums case, the uh, uh, doorbell cam guy in Vegas who was threatening the woman, that's some scary stuff. I mean, you're watching that in progress, so I would say that was an emotion. Uh, then uh, the Narumi Kurosaki case got me too, just because... I was an exchange student at a time, and I was in Japan, so seeing a Japanese exchange student uh, going through the same experience, but horribly, yeah, that, that hits different. Honestly, long story short, a lot of them have hit me in some way or another. I mean, it's hard not to, given what they involve, but some definitely more than others. Next question I got was, do you live in Japan or something? Is that why a lot of your videos are from over there? So I get this question a lot. I'm just going to kind of combine all these into one. Long story short is I'm not living in Japan right now, but I have for many years, and I'm probably going back within a couple of years. Then I got, uh, have you ever had a case that was too graphic or just too depressing to put in a video? Uh, it's kind of a two-part question. Let's go for that one first. The answer is kind of, because sometimes it's not really being graphic. It's certain graphic things. I mean, I'll... I will usually push the limits on talking about things that might get me demonetized, but it, when it comes to things that might get my channel deleted, I kind of have to pull back a little bit because, you know, there's pushing a boundary and then there's just self-destructing. And uh, the second part of this is what type of crime or victim would it have to be to get you to not cover it? That's what it comes down to is uh, a lot of things involving school, gun stuff, can't happen. It seems if it's a university, you can get away with it, but if it's a more prolific case, you'll get shot down. No pun intended. That was in bad taste. 
Oops. So question five is, what's the darkest case you've ever done, or is there even darker ones that you've been unable to think of covering? So, yeah, Junko Furuta was probably the darkest one so far, and there are more awful ones that I've been trying to find a way to get around covering that would definitely work as a Halloween video, but anything that involves stuff with an infant is really probably going to get me in trouble. I don't know how that would go over, so I don't... still thinking about that, but yeah. Darker things involving very young people. Yeah. Uh, so this one says, have you ever been to or lived in Japan? And yeah, I think it's been a good chunk of years altogether. I lived in Hokkaido for a while, which is the, the most northern part, if you don't know. And then I lived in Kyoto for a while, which is pretty southern. And then I've been to Tokyo many times. So it's I've been kind of all over the place. But uh, it also asked where all you've been to, which is, I want to say, U.S., Canada, China, Japan. That's it so far. I want to go to Europe. So this next one is kind of a long question, but what it basically comes down to, is there anything that I was about to cover but I didn't because I just could not wrap my head around it or if it was just too much? And I don't think I've come across one that was that I couldn't cover because I just could not deal, but when it came to certain no-go channel deletion topics, it, there were a few, yeah. Then this one is uh, pretty straightforward, it's just how did you get into true crime, and I might have talked about this before, I think I did, but I watched a lot of Unsolved Mysteries as a kid, and there was some Halloween block that came on every year that was like crimes and ghost stories and stuff that I always look forward to, so as soon as the internet came out, I was all over it. There was a website called uh, The Shadowlands where you could look up haunted places and even local haunted places and I was all over that. And I always told myself, you know, when I get a car, I'm going to all of them. And I went to a pretty good chunk of them. Then uh, another question uh, was, do you get spooked when you're recording your YouTube videos? Because uh, it looks like I record in the dark. And, uh, well, it's kind of dark because I have the light on me. But, uh... Spooked? Not really, because oddly enough, I'm usually recording these early in the morning, so it's kind of bright and I don't, I don't know if I would say cheerful, but there's birds. Birds exist. But if it was bats, that would be a different story. Uh, this next one is a good question. It is, what are your thoughts on the Hello Kitty murder? And my thoughts on that are, I would like to do a video on that. I never really know what to say when people ask what my thoughts on a case are, because what do you really say? I mean, do you say it was cool? That would be a really weird thing to say. I would say it's definitely an interesting one. That, that's something you can say. I, I feel like I default to saying cases are interesting a lot because you don't want to say it's cool or it's funny or it's... That's just weird. Alright, so this next question is, what is your favorite Japanese dish? That's an easy one. It's probably just Japanese curry. That's super basic, but it's really good, and I could probably eat it mostly every day. I think if you follow me on Instagram, I've actually had a story of a picture of curry like yesterday or the day before. This next question is one of utter importance. It says, should I have the pastrami on rye or the chicken bacon ranch on looks like a French roll? 
Help, please. I am near panicked. I can't decide. Well, this was two days ago, so it's probably a little late now. But have all of it. I got a bunch of Bible verses. Okay, and now we're going way back to a couple of months ago when I hit 100k. And I thought I was going to do this video then, and I didn't. My bad. But I saved all the questions from that time, so they're going to get tackled. Your comment was not a waste of time. Talking with my hands. So this first one is how did you become interested in true crime? I kind of talked about that. What case bothered you the most? Kind of talked about that, but one that I didn't mention was Columbine. Columbine is a massive, massive rabbit hole that I wish so much I could cover because I've got books, I've got recordings, I've got all, you know, just testimonials. God, I wish I could make like a multi-part series on it, but it just probably would not go over very well. Then, uh, what do your parents think about all this? Were they supported from the beginning? Well, one's not alive, and the other does not seem to care. So it's a boring answer, but there you go. So, this one is, you've mentioned in the past possibly doing a video on Elliot Roger. Is that a video you're still considering doing? The answer is yes. But there has been so much material uh, released in relation to that that I'm just like, where do you begin? I mean, you've got the emails to his family, you've got his online postings, you've got his videos. It's a rabbit hole. It would take hours, probably, to go through all of it. There's just so much. And then are there any cases that you wouldn't cover for any particular reason? Uh, there was one video in the very beginning about Yasser Saeed, who was a father who killed his two daughters in an honor killing. And that one was actually copyright striked. So that would be one that I wouldn't cover for a reason. The copyright strike was due to news footage too, which is, that is the only time that's ever happened to me. And you might ask why I didn't just release it without the news footage, and that's because that video sucked. It was like probably the second video I ever made, and it just, it, it sucked. I might remake it or something, but there's already some really good videos out there on it, including a pretty official, like, big documentary. So, that's a cool one. I said I wouldn't say they were cool. The documentary is cool, because it's very thorough, is what I meant to say. So this question is, do you play Project Zomboid? And the answer to that is, unfortunately, I don't know what that is. And I should have Googled it. I should have been more prepared. I forgot. So this one is, what is your favorite color of the alphabet? And that would be six, hands down. The next one is, what were you doing before you set up your YouTube channel and do you miss it? And I was doing a lot of interpreting, teaching, and translating, and... Sometimes I miss it. I, I still do it uh, part-time, but yeah, I mean, there's aspects of it, but this is cool too. It's more than cool. Cool is just my default praise for anything, apparently. Uh, what are your favorite movies and or TV shows? Tough question. It's easier for TV because I think I watch a lot of TV shows and uh, hands down top ones ever are Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Then, I mean, they're Malcolm in the Middle, is another all-time favorite one. Uh, King of the Hill, South Park, kind of a weird grab bag of shows, but that's really good. Movies, on the other hand, is harder because I feel like my opinion on movies changes a lot. Uh, let's like Jurassic Park, of course. American Psycho was a good one. Man, I'm just I'm drawing a blank on movies. I should have more than that, but 
I don't. Uh, this next one says, what resources did you help? Or what resources helped me to learn Japanese? Uh, that would be... I just started out old school. Like, I just bought a textbook and went through it. And while I was doing that, I was looking at a page called just thejapanesepage.com, I think it was. It might not even exist anymore, but it had a lot of, like, step-by-step beginner tutorials and vocab and stuff like that. And then once I got into college, I just took college classes and then I studied abroad and just lived in it. And that's where most of it came from. Because even after I studied abroad, I just kept living in it. So immersion is key. Then you've also got apps now, like Babbel is a good one. I'm not only saying that because they're a sponsor, they're actually a really good one, but I don't think they have Japanese yet. Then also, what countries would you like to visit or live in? And that would be, I had a friend who traveled all over Asia and he was always talking a lot about Thailand, Vietnam, and the Philippines and said that you should live there for at least a little while. So I would like to live there for at least a little while. Next one was, is there any particular thing that stuck with you from a young age that may have led you to begin this channel? Stuck with me from a young age? Not that I can think of. I used to like playing around with a video camera a lot and watching horror that I was probably too young for. So a combination of that, probably. Then what advice would you give to upcoming creators? I mean, I'm still not huge on YouTube, so I'm probably not the best one to ask, but uh, I would say one, make sure the content is at least okay, like uh, quality-wise, just, I don't know, make something that you would enjoy. And then, uh, of course, that's not all of it. I mean, you could upload content forever and it would just never get noticed. So networking is a big thing, you know, like having friends who might give you a shout out here and there or introduce you to people here and there. That's a big one. Honestly, yeah, that's my biggest piece of advice is make content that you yourself would like and make sure you just network and talk to other people who are doing it. See what they have to say, see if they want to collab or I don't know, even just word of mouth from knowing them might do something. Next one is, do you do the investigation by yourself or do you have a team? And it's all just me. Like the editor is me, the, the host is me, the investigation is me. I thought about getting an editor before, but didn't. So editing is usually the part that sucks the most. So I would not want to do that, but still just me at the moment. Then the next part is, uh, where do your stranger cases come from? And that is something that just doesn't really have a single answer. It could have just been something that I heard about before I even started YouTube, or it could have been something that came to me in a comment section, or a lot of them I find by sheer coincidence while looking into other ones. So it's hard to, a lot of people ask me that and it's really hard to give a real concrete answer on just that one. So the next question is, do you do YouTube as your full-time job or is it just a pastime? And the answer to that is somewhere in between. If it was just a pastime, I wouldn't care to upload like every week and be consistent because it takes a lot of work. But if it was full-time, I could probably make more videos. So somewhere in between. Next one says, I was wondering what your goals for the channel are. Maybe a vague question, but I'm interested nonetheless. Yeah, it's vague, but it's a good, it's a good question because sometimes I don't even know. Like, uh, growing the channel is always a big one, but it's kind of vague. Like, what do you mean by growing the channel? Do you mean like more subs or more views? And the answer to that is usually both. But when it comes to 
something less obvious. I don't know, I've always wanted to kind of uh, maybe get into streaming. I don't know what that would be. I don't really want to do gaming streams or anything like that. It would probably be like maybe let's research together for a case type stream or just uh, maybe when there's a part about a case that's really just long. Like the, the Scott Beerley music that I was talking about in the beginning. Just a stream where we just binge that garbage for two hours. That might be fun. So streaming is a goal. And another goal would be to hopefully do two videos a week. I've been trying, but that's a lot. That's a lot. Then, uh, being a true crime creator, does that make it hard to watch some movies or shows? For example, I find myself correcting facts and being like, that wouldn't happen that way, etc. The answer to that is sometimes. Like when there's just when it's just a little bit off, I can kind of forgive it because it's fiction and yeah, it's not going to be accurate. But when it's just so off, it's really hard to ignore like uh you know, you'll have a gun that holds 6 bullets and they'll fire like 13 out of it without ever reloading. That will bug me. Sometimes there would just be a super easy way to catch a killer that they're just not noticing for apparently no reason that cops should know. Oh, and contaminating crime scenes is a big one because people in shows do that all the time. Like, they'll just be walking all over a crime scene right after it happens. Like, oh yeah, this was uh, pretty bad, huh? Let's go step all over it and wash it off and, you know, all this evidence, I'll just pick it up by hand and chuck it around and it doesn't matter if I put it back where it was. Alright, I, I said maybe it doesn't bother me that much, but that, that part does. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. That's all the questions I have for now. So let me one more time thank all of you for subscribing and sticking with the channel this long. Even if you're a new sub, you're, you're still really, really good. I really wonder how many people are <laughs> still watching right now. This became long. Well, what more is there to say? Thank you, and I will keep making content, and I hope you keep enjoying it. I hope I don't lose my touch and start to suck. That's a constant fear. I will keep doing my best to make interesting content. If you'll keep watching, have a good night. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.